All right. Hey, folks. So welcome back to the Fazlifts podcast. Now, today's podcast, we're going to be talking about motivation and also how we identify with the feelings that we have, our feelings of motivation, feelings of anxiety, depression, and what they teach us about our attitudes towards self-improvement. <laughs> Quite a deep topic, different to what we normally cover. Some of you will just tune out now, others will be more interested. But um, I wanted to talk about this, and this was spurred on with a conversation that I had with a client, and I want to frame this talk by talking about Rocky, you know, the Rocky films, yeah? And that will help us to understand a bit more about what I'm discussing with this client right now. So without sort of talking too much about the client and his problem, because I, I don't want to personalize that with anyone, but I think I'd like to talk a bit about Rocky and what he teaches us about motivation. So Rocky, if you think back to the Rocky series, uh, Rocky won, super motivated, you know. But also, what's interesting is that the beginning of Rocky won, he actually wasn't that motivated. He was quite a lazy, surly young man who had quite a lot of talent, but never really worked for it. And that was, of course, the setting of the story because he was almost past it. And Mickey was frustrated with Rocky because of his obvious talent, but lack of motivation. So he never really did it and got anywhere. Now he got motivation and he started to get some motivation, some belief in himself when he had this offer from the champion Apollo Creed, who was trying to pick, you know, this uh, winning matchmaking fight, which would get all the punters in. And so he wanted someone who he could identify with and he picked Rocky. And that's what started Rocky believing in himself. And of course, after Rocky won, it ended with, you know, a draw and then Rocky actually believed. Finally, he believed. So all of his God-given talent, he then, with all that, he trained really hard. He got really motivated. Rocky two, of course, he won. And by Rocky three, he'd lost all his motivation. You know, he'd won all the titles. He'd got all the glory. He'd got the house, he'd got the girl, all that kind of stuff, right? And so what happened was he he lost his eye, what they call in the film, the eye of the tiger. He lost his motivation. I know what you're thinking. What, what, where am I going with all this? But I, I'm building onto something. I'm building onto how we see ourselves, how, how we see our emotions. So anyway, the point is this. Motivation is quite fleeting. It doesn't last. It's not something that we should identify ourselves with as a means of accomplishing a goal, particularly not a long-lasting goal like weight loss or body composition because we don't want to run out of motivation because we'll end up getting knocked out. And in the case of diet, what that means is rebounding, gaining a bunch of weight. So what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is falling back on habits. Now, let me just quickly segue onto what conversation sparked this talk on. So I was talking to a client and he, he had some sort of issue uh, in his life. And uh, he messaged me saying, you know what, Faz, I, I really think this is going to demotivate me over the coming months. I really think it's going to throw me off over the next few months. So this is a client who has gone up and down and lost the same 50 pounds and gained the same 50 pounds over the last 20 years. So he's a client who's constantly yo-yo dieted. And he's only been with me for a couple of months, okay? So 
I just I talked to him and I identified immediately what his problem was, that he has this really poor relationship with food. He doesn't have any solid habits to fall back on. And also he doesn't really have a great deal of muscle mass. So he's consistent, constantly losing the same 50 pounds, which is incredibly unhealthy for you. So I mean, I identified this long before he contacted me because I had him on social media and I knew exactly what he was doing, what he was going through. So, um, yeah, so he messaged me and he said, look, this is this thing that's happening is really going to cause me to lose motivation over the next, you know, few months. And in saying that, I identified two things almost immediately because one of the benefits of being a coach is you tend to learn things about people that they almost don't know about themselves because you work with so many people. You see so many of the behaviors and the actions repeated in many others. You learn to identify them in yourself as well. So coaching, if you're, if you're an intelligent, thoughtful person, can make you a better person as well. But um, for a lot of people, all they have is their internal voice and they have a range of people around them to support their internal signaling. And so anyway, this guy who had been up and down in body weight over the decades had now had this problem and he'd already identified it was going to cause him to go off the rails already. Not, the problem hadn't even manifested itself yet. And he was already saying, you know what, this is going to devote, demotivate me. This is going to make me go off the rails over the next few months. And so I, I said two things to him. Firstly, after thanking him you know, for his thoughts, um, because it's good, valuable information. And I, I, I first said to him, firstly, one of your issues over the years and the decades has been that you have relied far too much on motivation. So you lose 50 pounds, your motivation wanes, you gain it back again. <laughs> or you're in the process of losing the 50 pounds that you gained, something pops up, we don't see you for three months, next thing we know, you're back to, you know, you're back to 50 pounds up. So motivation has screwed him and has been screwing him for two decades. Motivation is, he has this sort of crack addict relationship with motivation, where if he's motivated, he's feeling good. If the, you know, the motivation dealer gives him motivation, he's feeling great. If not, he's back up, he bludgeons himself to 50 pounds up. So motivation is not his friend. It appears as his friend, just like a, a drug dealer appears as your friend, right? I imagine. Uh, and but it's not actually your friend. So I said that's the first thing I said to him. And the second thing I said to him was, at this stage, after he's had two decades of just ballooning up and down, he doesn't really trust himself. So he's already setting up an excuse. He's already saying, you know what, this thing that's happened, this is going to cause me to go off the rails because it's easier on the ego. He's, 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 his mind is trying to cushion himself. It's easier on the ego to say. This thing is what's going to be the eventual thing that will unravel me. So if he does fail, he's got an excuse conveniently already lined up and waiting. Now, I said that to him. He fully believes that this is not an excuse. He fully believes that this is a legitimate reason. In his mind, he can't see what I'm seeing. But of course he can't. He doesn't have the advantage that I do. I've worked with dozens of people like him, you know, He's only ever worked with one, him. And he trusts himself to tell him all the right stuff <laughs> and not lie and not deceive him. What he doesn't realize is the brain is far more intelligent than he could ever be. And his brain is preventing him from 
blaming himself further down the line by preemptively protecting him. Preemptively, he's protecting him against his future failure, which he, in the back of his mind, he somewhat expects. He expects himself to fail, so he's already making those excuses. Now, for you guys who are listening to this at home, what lessons can we garner from this so far before we move on to the, the next part of the podcast? Firstly, we have to be very aware of our self-talk. We have to be extremely aware of our self-speak. We have to look for where are we leaking excuses and leaking reasons for failure. One of the, um, the most powerful things that people do when they're embarking on a new sort of event is that they eliminate options of failure. So there was that famous, famous example of, the, um, of some famous general who, when he wanted to uh, invade, he would make all his ships land on the beaches and then burn or untether the ships. So basically, the guys had to, had to win the war or they were going to either die or be taken prisoner. So they were literally, they had no other options. They were fighting for their lives and their freedom and that of their families. So that's an opportunity. That's a case where there is no room for negative self-speak. You either die or you survive. There is no in-between. Yeah. Whereas if you were embarking on an endeavor and you're already putting in a excuse, you're already buttressing your potential failures with this, with this sort of like, okay, you know, it's okay. Just be kind to yourself. It's fine. You're already setting yourself up for failure. You know, now you might not think about it like that. You might think, well, I'm just being kind to myself. Yeah. I'm just saying, well, you know what, this is something that might cause me to derail. So rather than blame myself down the line, I'm going to just say, this is a reason that I'm given. But you don't realize you're actually re-being the opposite of what you need. You're being, it's almost the analogy is, you're almost being a friend to yourself rather than being a parent. Yeah. In that scenario where you're trying to get something done to, where to, to go somewhere, which is uncomfortable for you, you're giving yourself an out already. You're, it's like you say to a kid, look, you got homework due, you know, for a week from now. And then some other teacher comes along and goes, you know what? You don't have to hand it in a week from now. You can hand it in 10 days. When do you think that kid's going to hand the homework in? Right? He's going to hand the homework in in 10 days or in two weeks' time because they don't, they've got an out. They don't realize. They don't, they don't take it seriously. So if you give yourself an out already, you've already failed. You're essentially setting yourself up for failure. And that's what this guy is doing. And why is he doing it? Because he's had a history of failed diets over the last two decades. And why has he had a history of failed diets? Well, because he's relied too much on motivation and not on any actual concrete habits, which is what I'm trying to teach him. Now, how does this segue into the next part of what I want to talk about? Next part I want to talk about is, I want to talk about a book that I read when I was a kid. And it was called To Have or To Be. And it was by a writer, I think, I think it was Austrian, um, called Eric Fromm. He was a psychoanalyst. And he wrote this in 1976. Essentially, there's, there's a lot of different strands of the book. He talks about materialism and all that kind of stuff. But To Have or To Be, as the name of the book would suggest, talks about this idea of possessions and feelings okay so not just possessions but feelings as well and states of being 
and either having them or being them, okay? There's a big difference between having a feeling and being a feeling. So I'll give you an example, okay? You can have some extra pounds of fat. Like if you talk to uh, a contest prepping bodybuilder, and you know, you say to them, maybe you know, some maybe, <laughs> maybe contest prep bodybuilder is not the best example, but let's say you speak. Let I me mean, let's, let's say you, if you were to ask me, Faz, you know, how, what kind of shape are you in? And I could tell you roughly how many pounds of fat I am away from stage shape. So right now I'm probably, uh, probably like eighteen to twenty pounds away from stage shape. Okay. Now, so I'm carrying twenty pounds of extra fat, which is very normal, very healthy looking body weight, you know. And so that puts me right about that kind of range, 20 pounds or 18 pounds, let's say, of extra fat. Now, I don't really refer to myself as fat, but there's a difference. If I was to say I'm fat, yeah, rather than I'm carrying 18 extra pounds, there's a difference in that self-speak. Yeah, there's a big difference. And this is while Eric Fromm doesn't talk about dieting, he talks more about like, um, he talks a lot about things like um, materialistic possessions. But um, like, let's say, for example, one of the things he talks about is money. So he says things like, well, um, you could say I am poor, or you could say currently I have not as much money as I would like. There are differences there, just like the having fat or being fat example. Because if you say you are fat, there's a certain finality there. The finality suggests that, you know what, this is just me, this is who I am. It's like me saying, I have two legs and two arms. That's me, yeah? I, I am a human person with two legs and two arms, right? That's me. That's a finality. We're hoping that's a finality for life. But if you say, okay, I'm fat, there's a certain finality to that, and it's, it's negative self-speak. So, Whereas if you say, I am carrying 18 pounds of, of surplus fat from contest prep condition, that's a far more accurate representation of where you're at, okay? Or, you know, if you want, if you were talking amongst friends, you, you might say, I'm carrying a few extra pounds. You, you Maybe you wouldn't be quite as scientific as saying, I'm carrying 18 pounds of extra fat. But it, it's a way of sort of talking to yourself, which a lot of times, now you might, you guys might at home, you might, you guys might be thinking, well, look, Faz, how much does that really matter? Like, it's just, speaking i'm not saying it matters um I'm, I'm not saying the wording matters per se but what it does for me is it it tells me a lot about how people think of themselves it's like when people talk about anxiety you know i mean if you have a medically you know medical condition then i'm not speaking about that but let's say you don't have a medical condition of, of anxiety people people can say look my anxiety or i i have anxiety or they can say i'm anxious and this is one of the things that Alan Watts talks about, who was a writer um, around the same time as Eric Fromm, who's, who's also a psychoanalyst. And he talks about these things, and like how in the 70s and 80s, there were more and more people who started to say things like, I have anxiety, rather than I am anxious in this situation. And again, I'm not talking about medical conditions, but it becomes, you start to have a certain sense of finality when things ha are said in that way. And it's a little bit like, to take it back to the, to the original example and the, the whole point of this podcast, it's a little bit like the negative self-speak around dieting and motivation. You can say, like, currently I'm not motivated, or you can say, I, I have no motivation. But for somebody to turn around and say, well, or to think of themselves 
as a yo-yo dieter or to think of themselves as having when they are without motivation that they're going to fail that level of negative self-speak really betrays their inner monologue their inner monologue is if something derails my motivation then that's it i am going to fail now this guy he might not have realized that's what he was saying but in that's what to, to someone like me who who's dealt with people like him before that's exactly what he was saying now, he might even realize it himself and i'm sure in his mind he completely thinks that he's making a perfectly sensible statement that you know what this has occurred a few months down the line this is going to make me demotivated which is going to derail me in his mind that makes perfect sense probably because you know he's he's experienced it in the past but he's never once made the connection to say i'm shooting myself in the foot before i've even started this endeavor for him it's just like yeah this has happened it's going to derail me rather than say okay this has happened and i'm going to succeed despite it because this doesn't define me i am more than this inconsequential problem that's arisen and that's kind of really the crux of what i'm talking about in this little podcast segment so i think we all do it to a certain extent we all have this negative self-speak. I mean, I know, I'm sure I do. You know, most of the time, though, it's very difficult to identify because you simply can't tell what the that inner inner voice in your head is. Is where you can't really differentiate if it's saying something which is helpful to you or not. Like you automatically assume that is a true reflection of who you are. You don't tend to look for hidden meanings in your own inner dialogue because how can you? You know, that inner voice in your head is all you've known since you were a kid. How can you look for like a, a hidden meaning in that? Because it's literally you against you. You talk to yourself in your head. There's nowhere to hide. The problem is it's not just you versus you. It is you versus your inner dialogue, which is trying to protect you from your previous failures, trying to protect you from your preconceived biases. You see this all the time. And this is one of the reasons why people argue so much on places like Facebook, because their inner dialogue is convincing them that they are on the right side of the argument when the other person's inner dialogue is convincing them they're on the right side of the argument and you're on the outside looking at them both thinking they both sound like idiots <laughs> but they don't realize that they think they're right i mean i'm sure you guys have done this before you've had an argument with someone who thinks they're 100 right and you can clearly see the hole in their argument everyone's been there you know perhaps you've been on the end of it as well you know i don't know and then it depends how open-minded you are to actually uh, here, you know, somebody pointing out your, your flaws. But um, yeah, I wanted to talk a bit about this idea of having and being your emotions and your prejudices and your feelings about things. Like, I think it's important to have express your feelings, to have your feelings, but to be your feelings, I think, is a little more dangerous. Like people, you know, if if you like to say something has made you sad, like you can say I am sad, but again, there's a certain finality towards that. You can say this event, this person, this thing has made me sad. That's, I think, a little bit more accurate. Or this has made me angry. It's a little more accurate. It's a little more informative to say I am sad. I am angry. There's that level of finality there. Yeah, and I think it's probably far more so when we refer to things like diet like obviously you know if we say things like i am fat that is a, there's a certain level of finality there and that's a bit more obvious but the thing is people don't talk about themselves in that way 
because people don't like to talk about themselves like that, quite that blatant. But people do like to make the mistakes of saying, you know what, I'm not very good at dieting. I'm not very good at counting calories. I'm not very good with this technology. I'm not very good at this. And again, there's a certain finality with that. And if you think about it along the lines of, well, I need practice with this technology. I need practice counting calories. I need practice on measuring out portions. There's more of a growth mindset attached to that way of thinking and less of a finality attached to that. And that is usually the hallmark of somebody who's prepared to open up. And again, you know, people are going to be people and some of you guys listening might think I'm talking absolute BS. Others might, you know, nod and agree. But really, it's more interesting for me when I listen to people and how they describe themselves because it tells a lot about how about their inner monologue. Is their inner monologue this sort of one-dimensional, this is who I am, I can't change, even though I'm telling you that, you know, oh, I'm trying to change. But my inner monologue is actually betraying the fact that I don't feel I can change. Or do they genuinely have a growth mindset and they're just experiencing a certain emotion or whatever right now? It's, it's important to at least acknowledge that and acknowledge then that this might be occurring in your own brain as well. You might be, I, I personally, I think I'm going to go away and think about this myself and think about how I do this in, in my walks of life and how that might be damaging to me because I think we all should. So it's, it's useful to at least be aware of because it may be something which you are doing when you embark on an endeavor. Think about something you struggle with, you know? Think about something you struggle with and think about how you approach that mentally. How you approach it mentally might actually belay or betray a little bit about your inner monologue, what you truly believe in. And if you've had some difficulties in the past with sticking to a diet or this or that or motivation or whatever, again, just think about how you, how do you think about yourself? Do you give yourself an out? Do you, because you have this preconceived bias that you, you're not really a very good dieter? Or do you genuinely think, you know, I need practice on this. I need practice on X, I need practice on Y. Or do you think, you know what, that's just me. That's who I am. I'm not a very good dieter. I am a yo-yo dieter. I do lose and gain the same 50 pounds year by year. That's what I do. Think about it, because if you really think in that limited fashion, then you've got no chances of success, like literally zero chance, because as soon as you encounter some difficulty like this guy I'm speaking to right now, you'll crumble 100%. And even if you somehow scramble your way to your goal because you, you watch enough Rocky motivation tapes and you get to your goal, you'll crumble soon after. It's not something you'll maintain. You have to, it, it's just as important to have that positive self-talk as it is to just have a decent plan and stick to things. So anyway, I wanted to talk about that today as part of uh, the podcast. Hopefully you guys found it interesting. Um, let me know what you thought. There's less room for you guys to let me know what you think on uh, podcast than there is on YouTube. YouTube is sort of fairly instant, but um, I appreciate five-star reviews on um, Apple iTunes. Uh, you can DM me on Instagram, you know, Fazlifts. It's always good. I'm happy to hear from you guys. Um, message me on a YouTube, you know, video. Just pop it under, say, hey, I listen to the podcast, you know. It's all good. Uh, but, yeah, you know, just um, get in touch. I, I like speaking to you guys. Um, the bigger I get across the different platforms, the more people I speak to. But um, I can safely say I, I answer everyone back, you know. Um, it's nice to get in touch with people. Um, I'm a people person. I've, I've spent years doing this, you know, answering all my DMs, making sure I help people. 
all that. And it's, uh, it's all it's all good. It's part of part of what I do. And uh, yeah, if you want some more specialized help, I obviously, I, of course, I do coaching as well. So feel free to contact me either on my website, fazlifts.com or uh, on Instagram, DM me, slide in my DMs, fazlifts. Um, anywhere, really, you know, anywhere you see the fazlifts brand, go ahead and um, contact and have a chat, inquire about the coaching, and I will leave it there. So speak to you guys next time. Have a great weekend.